Welcome to the Bill Bradley Collective After Dark. It is a Friday evening, a, the first fall or autumn uh, production we've done since last autumn. And it's a little nippy, but it's, it's nice. great. It's and nice. great. In three weeks, we're going to consider this warm. Right, it's great. So, Zach, how are you doing? Doing well, Uh had a nice retirement ceremony for one of my great colleagues tonight. Yeah, uh, um, I'm going to call him out by name. Larry Dorman, one of the great labor people I've ever met, and one of the great people I've ever met. And so, the voice of my union for the last 20 years. Right, and so, um, you know, and, and, and God bless him and his wife as they move forward, and uh, we will see him when we record uh, the wedding, the special wedding podcast. Um, so, Zach... Lisa's favorite teacher was a substitute when Miss Hoover had Lyme disease. I'm going to give you an option. What was the substitute teacher's name or which actor voiced him? Dustin Hoffman voiced him. And Mr. Bergstrom was his name. Ding, 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 ding. That's an incredible, the fact you came up with Bergstrom, super impressive. Um, that was good. Cause I had Hoffman. I did not have Bergstrom. Um, so congratulations on that. What was in the letter that he left Lisa? What was in the letter? Something about her dad, right? No. What was it? You are Lisa Simpson. <laughs> <laughs> that was in the letter. Andrew, I am a little concerned that my question to you is harder. Well, but- let, me, let me just say that uh, before you. I'm okay. I'm doing okay. Yeah. <laughs> but, um. But yeah, like you just alluded to, like in sort of like gambling parlance these last few weeks, I've been totally just like taking a bath with these questions, just getting fucking well, showered. So I, I also oh, gave dude. you it's a question bad. that gave you two avenues to get it right. The first losing player to win a Super Bowl MVP was also the first defensive player to win a Super Bowl MVP, and it happened in Super Bowl five. Who was he, and is he dead or alive? Okay, I got two names, and I hope I picked the right one. <clears throat> uh, if you give I, me both, I'll take I'll take one or the other. So, what do you mean, th- so wait, you, it's the same? The same guy. Yeah. In Super Bowl five, was the Super Bowl MVP. And the first defensive player. And the first defensive player. Chuck Howley? Chuck Howley is correct. Ding, 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 ding. That is the single most impressive answer you've come up with um that did not require us to cut and come back uh <laughs> since since we started this it was one take this right yeah. it, it, one take is Fuck he dead it, or we'll al- do it live is he dead or alive it's alive no you are correct wow. uh, yeah oh, 80 was, at oh, yeah. 86 years old i would have taken dead chuck oh, howley and i don't i would have taken dead i don't it, think he's in the hall of fame either no, he's Which not. Is, uh, I checked. Uh, really good player. Was your other choice? Oh, who the hell is a defensive tackle? My other choice was Harvey Martin. Oh, Harvey Martin, I don't think was there yet. Yeah, that was it, the it was uh, Bob Lilly, I, I Bob thought. Lilly. Of. Bob yeah. Lilly. I thought, like, if you asked me that question, I would have said Bob Lilly. And it was yeah. Chuck Howie. All right. So Off the schneid. Let's go. So, uh... Zach, what will you be ranting about? I'll be ranting about Brett Favre defrauding uh, millions of dollars from the Mississippians. But, but that guy's just sucks. Former Jet great. Uh, 
Former, it, pa- it pains me to former, besmirch a former Jet. Former Jet, great. Former Jet, good. He was great. He in in all right. In the history of the Jets, he's behind Namath. Maybe he's behind Pennington. He's behind Pennington. He's behind Testaverde. He's behind Fitzpatrick. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> he was only there for like what two seasons? One. One, yeah. Right? Well, it was one. Andrew, yeah, right? one, one. He sent a dick pic to somebody, so it's not Jen, great. Jen Sturger. Um, I will be ranting about the job description that maybe you could qualify for to be the president of the NCAA. Andrew, what will you be ranting about? Surprise, surprise. Um, little peek behind the curtain here. Um, normally, we just before we go on the air, uh, we discuss our rants. We disclose what we're going to rant about. Um and this week, there's so much like, and I said this off air. There's so much negativity. So much. I could talk about Greg Norman going before Congress and talking about live and getting fucking embarrassed, which would have been great. Um, we all agree the Udoka stuff. Let's just pass on that for now. Um, yeah, we can. That's a definitely come back later. But yeah, I'm gonna surprise you boys today on the air. I can't wait to have been surprised. And so another, you know, uh, just a peek behind the curtain for our audience. How about this? Join us next week. Uh, we're going to do, it's beginning of the month, first of the month, so we're going to do our next sports washing episode. We're going to cover uh, the sport of boxing and their part in sports washing. This week, after this break, after the rants, this week uh, we're going to forecast uh, four or five, really, of the hottest governor races that are going to be determined this November. Good conversation to be had. It's all coming at you next on the Bill Bradley Collective. <laughs> Driving into the crossroads of sports and politics, we are the Bill Bradley Collective. Here are your hosts, Ed, Zach, and Andrew. So amidst all of the very serious and complicated things going on in both the worlds of sports and in politics, this week, uh, you know, I'm just going to kind of go towards the frivolous side in my rant. This week, so this is, we're recording Friday, uh, September 23rd. Uh, Yesterday, the Thursday, the 22nd, marked the 15th anniversary of the highlight of a man's career. And a career full of, I mean, some professional, some real professional highlights. And some real personal lowlights. But this is like the personal highlight of his career to me. On September 22nd, 2007, the Oklahoma State Cowboys defeated... Texas Tech Red Raiders in a Big 12 conference game uh, in a shootout, 49-45. Uh, in that game, Oklahoma State pulled their starter, uh, went to the backup, the backup came out with a win. And in the post game, a lot of a lot of the talk in the post game was an article by a writer by the name of Jenny Carlson of the Oklahoman. The article talked about the said benched quarterback Bobby Reed, who had been the object of public support from the coaching staff only to be benched in that game. This really pissed off the Oklahoma State head coach. Not pleased. And he went after Ms. Carlson. That coach is one Mike Gundy, he of the million-dollar mullet. And during the press conference where he uh, kind of goes after Ms. Carlson, he issues the ever-famous line, he says, and I'll try to do my best impression here. Come after me! I'm a man! I'm 40! 
How was that? Was that right? That was pretty good. It was good. Yeah, not bad. It's good. And now while now while this was this was such a huge story that week, like that that clip still lives on in like it's, it's still it's still shown it still today. gets play. And well, it was, this was the anniversary just yesterday. It's it's, it's, it's like the playoffs. Oh, totally! It's yeah. every well, sort of like coach blow up on the on the, at the podium it, montage you'll ever see on like sports. It, it is the the first thing you hear when you turn on the solid verbal. Yeah. That, it, is it that that's there? That's oh, it. Yeah. I'm a man. I'm 40. Right. Amazing it's that, shit. It's that Lou Holtz. If you want to be happy for a day, eat a steak. <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to be screaming that next week. <laughs> um, but right. as as is the case with a lot of guys, Mike Gundy. Now, Mike Gundy was the quarterback at Oklahoma State in the 90s and was actually really successful. Set all kinds of records. I think Big 12. Uh, not Big 12, but school records. But let's just be honest about this guy. He's like every other kind of dirtbag patrolling the sidelines on Saturdays. Um, it starts. He's He was tied. He was an assistant under Les Miles, his predecessor at Oklahoma State, and there was all kinds of unsavory shit, and obviously unsavory stuff financially goes on, but this was there was some ties to, to women and to bringing in uh, call girls for players, which, you know, that kind of shit just, that, that crosses the, the line. The Patino special. Yeah, let's, let's, let's try to keep that out, I guess. Um, also, too, the controversy in uh, 2020, um, wearing the OANN t-shirt, supporting all the OANN stuff one american news network i believe that's the proper abbreviation um came under fire from players um players who who's the running back that was not uh was it buddha baker he's not a running back but he had a f- players on the nfl that was gonna sit and gundy of course he's like well i'll take a pay cut i apologize uh i don't agree with their views on the black lives matter movement which is all a bunch of bullshit but for one day 15 years ago this week Mike Gundy was a punchline in in the good kind of way, not like the punching bag kind of way. It was a great quote. It, it's yeah. one of the highlights of his career. Yeah, I think if you're a coach, like it just reminds me of the Terrell Owens. That's my quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like, you know, I guess if you're a coach, I, I guess yelling "I'm 40" means something when you're dealing with like 18 year olds. Sure. But like right now, if I met up to somebody and they were like, "I'm 40," be like, "Yeah, man, that's like <laughs> seven years older than me." I don't. <laughs> that is not a big deal. It's like, what if Sean McVay is like, "Come after me. I'm a man. I'm a year older than Matt Stafford." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So for my rant, I'm going to pick up on a big story uh, that has been coming out over the last few weeks that combines both sports, uh, the worst parts of sports, uh, with the worst parts of politics. And that is one Brett Favre uh, committing welfare fraud in the state of Mississippi. Now, an important note about the state of Mississippi is Mississippi is the poorest state in the union. Um, They do not have a good school system. They do not have a good economic base. They have no economic engine. They don't have any water. They don't have any water uh, in Jackson. They're an incredibly poor state. And TANF funds, Temporary Assistance for Needy Family Funds, uh, in Mississippi get funneled to this nonprofit uh, that then distributes the funds out rather than the government, uh, because, of course, this is the South where government is a dirty word. And Brett Favre was able to work with the governor and the head of this uh, nonprofit, Nancy New, to defraud uh, Mississippians and defer $5 million of a $77 million block grant. So roughly an eighth. Yeah. About an eighth. No. 
because five, it's a uh, 15th. Yeah, it's a 15th. It's a 15th. So a 15th of the money uh, went to Brett Favre so that Brett Favre could build a volleyball stadium at a university, Uh, the same university his daughter went to and played volleyball. Now, we know Brett Favre knew this was illegal because we got to see text messages where he said, Will the media be able to find out I were I was paid and how much I was paid? So he knew this was illegal. He knew this was a problem. Uh, he referred to the governor as Santa Claus, uh, which I guess when you're getting five million dollars rained on your prep project, uh, yeah, that that is Santa Claus. But the one thing I want to touch base on here is this is obviously horrifying. You know that goes outside. We don't need to beat the drum on stealing welfare dollars so you could build a volleyball stadium is a misuse of dollars that could go to the poor. Um, we don't need to really hammer that point home. It kind of explains itself. But the one thing I wanted to mention was the complete lack of coverage this has received on ESPN. This has received on MSNBC. This has received on CNN. Uh, well, Brett Favre was defrauding Mississippians for $5 million, those news networks were showing a 96-year-old woman's funeral who died in a different country who we fought a war, not once, but twice, to not give a shit about. It's... I, I, I like, Michael Vick did dogfighting, which is horrifying and a crime, and he went to jail for it, and he paid his time. But that was the front story of every news network, especially ESPN. But when a Hall of Fame quarterback defrauds the poor for $5 million out of $77 million, it is not a peep. What do you guys think about that? It's, as somebody said on Twitter, and I I just saw because Jameel Hill retweeted it. I'm getting a little tired of Jameel Hill's earnestness. I know. She can be tough, but. But she's also not wrong a lot. Nobody cares about this story because of who the victims are. Yes. and Nobody cares about the Jackson, Mississippi uh, thing because of who who the the victims victims are. are. And and my question is, has what does he have, Lee jeans or Levi's jeans? Levi's. Levi's. No, no, Wrangler. 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 Right. Has Wrangler cut ties with him? No. I I have not seen Uh, that. What's the other one, Copperfit? Nope. You still see those commercials. He has lost zero sponsorships. He he has also not been charged with a crime, even though he clearly committed a crime. And and, and he very well may. This is a man who's sending dick pics to a uh, unsolicited dick pics to a young woman is like the seventh worst thing he's done. He's just a bad guy. But because he scrambled around and threw the ball deep a lot, it's like it's all okay. Uh, You know, he's not he's. The Michael Vick comparison is a really good one. You know, I mean, listen, the, the, the coverage of the Queen swamped out the fact that over a third of Puerto Rico had no power because of a storm and nobody cared. Like, it's so, it's, you know, I mean, at some level we get the, we get the media we deserve. This, Andrew, what, do you, what did yeah. you think about this? Um, a similar thing to beat the, uh, you know, the, the coverage drum. Uh, I saw also a thing on Twitter that somebody punched into Google, ESPN.com, Brett Favre, and the first hit was actually a story about uh, um, basically people that slid in the draft, people that famously fell, fell right. uh, far in the draft, and that was that was like the most newsworthy, hitworthy thing versus this this yeah. complete disgrace. Um, Brett Favre has really skated for a long time. Somehow the dick pic thing didn't rob him of those sponsorships, and I don't know what will become of this. 
but uh, really bad, really bad. So for those of you who are looking for a high-paying job, um, I want to tell you that you need to contact Turnkey ZRG directly because if you contact the NCAA, it will only delay consideration of your qualifications to be the president of the NCAA. Here are some of the things that are in this four-page job description. You have to, one of your duties is to confer with the board to establish an overall strategic and tactical business strategy and objectives and formulate annual business plans. You also need to ensure transparency in all NCAA operations and disciplined expense management. That has never been done. Either of those things have never been done by the NCAA one one day of, of their existence. You need to provide oversight of all legal and government relations and hearing operations. Only the NCAA is going to say, look, keep our ass out of jail is like your number one responsibility. You have to lead the NCAA in managing significant legal and reputational risk areas facing the association because, you know, they suck. You have to function as a public-facing spokesperson and, quote, face of the NCAA. And set the tone, spur enthusiasm, challenge current wisdom, and support the team. You have to have a keen ability. The word keen, when you use the word keen, you're already dead to me. Keen ability to lead diplomatically while strategically navigating the complexity of an organization, remaining uh, decisive and mission-oriented despite competing agendas. You have to have exceptional interpersonal and communication skills. Your EQ has to be an, as high as your IQ, and you have to be an Wait, active. Wait, says that? Yes. Oh. No, that's not good. You have to have to be an active listener. You need to quarterback the team when things are uncertain and the way forward is not clear. You need to point guard the direction <laughs> of the organization. You need to demonstrate the highest levels of integrity and sportsmanship. If you have the highest levels of integrity, you are staying so far away from the NCAA that it would be a $9,000 Uber ride to get back. Uh, you have to follow the collegiate model of athletics in which students participate as an avocation balancing their academic, social, and athletic experiences, which is done by no one. And you have to govern and create opportunities for competition in a fair, safe, equitable, and sportsmanlike manner. This sounds like it was written by the the New York Times pitch bot. Are, are you running intramural flag football, <laughs> or are you a part of a multi-billion-dollar? I, I it, it is there. the the job seems undoable when you read the job description. Because if you have the capacity to lead the NCAA, they have into being a useful and important organization. They have no interest in having you, none at all. So, I just read this. I thought it was a just very enjoyable, and B. I think it's everything that's wrong with the NCAA encapsulated in a job posting. Well, I think it just shows, like, the bullshit of corporate speak. Like, you have to have a keen eye on this. You have to quarterback that. You have to be a good listener. 
you know, it's just bullshit. Act, active buzz, listener. Active. It's just bullshit buzz terms that are corporate speak because they don't actually mean anything. They're just going to hire the guy with the most money. Is Mark Emmert, like, is he reading through this going, let's see, check, <laughs> check, <laughs> Mark, check. Mark Emmert, check. clearly the face of the NCAA. <laughs> no one mean? knows what his face looks like. And, and uh, Zach, it reminds me of the Simpsons episode where he says, uh, the guy who says, aren't, um, aren't, uh, oh, what, the ter- what are the terms? Um, but he said, aren't, aren't those terms just the dumb just, people used to seem like, think yes. like they're smart? And it's, I'm fired, aren't I? Said, yes. Yeah, it, it, it's nobody should have this job. It should be run. They, they should turn the NCAA into a co-op, and the players run it, and the coaches run it, and everybody's an equal partner. And then at the end, you might get a dividend. <laughs> Too many chefs, not enough uh, cooks. Um, I'm yeah. glad you mentioned jo- uh, job openings and job competitions because after the break, uh, we're going to touch on. And now there are in total what. 38 governor seats up for election in November? 36 30, 38? 38. Is it 38? Okay. Uh, we're going to look at some of the most interesting competitions in the gubernatorial elections coming this November after the break here on the Bill Bradley Collective. Hi, Gordon. What you been up to? Big things, Fred. I'm a full-time student at bartending college. Wow. I never had time for a formal education. Well, I decided to make time, but it's not easy. Bartending college is a four-week course. Gee, how far along are you? Well, let's see. This is Tuesday, the third week. Hey, I'm a junior, and I'm late for a daiquiri lecture. Why don't you join me? Why not? Bartending college. You've already spent enough time on the other side of the bar to qualify for enrollment. Bartending college. We'll teach you everything you need to know. You'll get a starter set of bartenders jokes like, So I says to the guy, you can stay, but the cow's gotta go. (laughs) Bartending college. You'll learn how to roll drunks, water the liquor, and skim the cash register. And remember, as the bartender, you drink for free. free. Last call for integrity. So welcome back. So as we do our national tour of governor's races that we're really interested in, we're not going to hit all of them. We're going to hit four of them. There are, think, there are a lot of very interesting races. Yeah, this is an interesting it's, it's a pretty good year for governor's races. Right. I mean, Texas with Beto and Abbott, although Abbott's up 5%. Seven. Seven. But, I, uh, but you know, Beto's a good candidate down there. Uh, and so that's, you know, that's one. Uh, Gretchen Whitmer and Tudor Dixon is an interesting <laughs> one, except Tudor Dixon, she's getting out her cash at hand. Whitmer has a 28 to 1 advantage in cash in hand over Tudor Dixon. That's going to be hard to beat. There's a lot of interesting races, but we'll start in Pennsylvania, the Keystone State, which may really be the key to the presidential election in 2024, one of them. Shapiro is running against Mastriani. And I've already, it's Josh Shapiro, right? Josh Shapiro versus Doug Mastriano. Doug Mastriano. Uh, I was in Gettysburg recently, where he's from. And uh, went by his his uh, office, which is on main in the main street, which I mean, it's paying really high rent there. So Mastriano is a Trump guy, and among other things, he does not allow the press to cover any of his events. The mainstream press, he only really is interviewed by Newsmax and OAN. OAN. He's not even interviewed by Fox no, News. No, he won't be on Fox News. He is a former. Military person, and, uh, and uh, thank you for your service. But his 
his campaign will not respond to requests for his discharge papers, which mm. probably not great. Something says dishonorable about that. Right. But Zach, I realized that what looks like a Nazi salute isn't a Nazi salute to him. It is, for most people at least, the way evangelicals pray. But uh, yes, Mastriano has a history of very problematic stances. Yes, the problem with this is that Mastriano does echo fascist overtones. Um, one of the main tenets of his campaign is that he will not certify electors in 2024 if they are not for the Republican. He has said that, that he will submit his own electors, which is what is commonly known as a coup attempt. <laughs> um, he is actively running on pulling a coup attempt in the next presidential election. But yes, evangelicals uh, pray by raising their hands in the air um, with their hand kind of arched straight up, uh, whereas the Nazi salute is the arm raised with the hand straight out. Um, now, difference in evangelical, modern evangelicals and Nazis is... Support for Israel. Support for Israel. Right. That is not the difference. Ju- not Jews, just not, Israel. Not Israel. <laughs> yeah, not Jews, just Israel. Right. Just Israel. Um, they they ha- do not have kind things to say about Jews that aren't Zionists, uh, like my wife. Um, but he is an election-denying, far-right, extremist governor, gubernatorial candidate, and he's got a real shot. Okay, go ahead. I, th- I think the last poll had him down four. Uh, according, I just checked today's five thirty-eight, yeah. which is got it right here. Again, <laughs> not it's but it's it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's it's like real clear politics. It's a poll dispensary place, right? It's yeah. it's right, right. If this, right. if dispensaries didn't give you stuff you wanted, but only gave you shitty poll results, that would be that would be them. Uh, they have Shapiro ten point five percent up. But what was the last? What was the last no. poll today? The, the last poll I mean, today no, was, that was today. That was number. today was ten. Okay, like, go ahead, Andrew. Oh, I was gonna say, I, wh- when did the evangelical prayer mechanics like? When did that change? Because I feel like I've we've seen evangelicals in the public eye for the well, part it of used a half to be, century, it, and I, I don't recall ever seeing Jerry it, Falwell of those guys pray in such a matter. Not to, to say be, that they weren't like fascist Nazis too; they just weren't as kind of direct. It about used to it. be remember the the evangelical oh. prayer where they put their hand, both hands in the air, both hands up, oh, they right. put hands both up. hands. Okay. Then, and then, then there were a lot of rotator cuff surgeries yeah, yeah. That, that, that the healers couldn't get. To. Yeah, one uh, one priest had uh, Tommy John surgery, so we could only <laughs> raise one. I got it. Um, I was looking at the same stuff on 538 as, as Ed. I don't know much about the candidate Shapiro. You both have said he's kind of like a moderate candidate. They've it, got him as like a – they have him winning 91 in 100 uh, outcomes. They Shapiro like is – he's like Kiner Lamb where he's this kind of Democrat where they love him because they think he can talk to disaffected Republicans. Now, unlike Kiner Lamb, this appears to be actually true. I mean, he pounded Conor Lamb. Yeah, this appears to be actually true, that he can actually talk to disaffected Republicans. He can actually talk to unaffiliated that might lean right. But we are still 46, 40, what, uh, it's a Friday, so it's 43 we're, we're, days out. 40, we're uh, like 43 to 45 days out. Right. And By the time you hear this, we will be uh, uh, 40, uh 
be seven weeks. Forty two outs. Yeah. yeah. By the time you hear this, it's forty two outs. Yeah. The thing to watch in this race is does the Republican Governors Association abandon Mastriano because they have not abandoned him yet. Right. Do they dump money into this race or do they simply say we're not going to win it? And um, I mean, Mastriano became won the governor's race when Trump supported him. Um, you know, and, and which is why, unlike many others, he has not abandoned his hard right, um, hard right talking points. I mean, you look at Blake Masters in Arizona or JD Vance, where they suddenly backtracked once they got the domin- once they got the endorsement, they they backtracked. Mastriano has not backtracked at all. He is who he is. No, he's doubling down on it. Yeah, he and is right. So it's going to be really interesting to watch uh, over these next six weeks. The I know we're talking about governors, but the big thing to watch here is Mastriano and, and Mehmet Oz, a.k.a. Dr. Oz, are tied together at the hip in a way that Shapiro and Fetterman are tied together at the hip. Either Correct. both of them win or both of them lose. This is not going to be a Oz wins and Mastriano loses, Shapiro wins, but Fetterman loses. They're either both winning or they're both losing. And that leads us into our next state which is a state that's the opposite end of that, which is Georgia. Uh, Stacey Abrams is right now 5% behind uh, Brian Kemp. Raphael Warnock right now is 5% ahead uh, of Herschel Walker. It's, in, 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 it's in, like 2 to 5. R- well, right. In, in it's the, within the margin of error. Uh, refer, the, no, sorry, no, referring in, to which race? Which race? This is the governor or the Senate race? Well, governor. in the governor's the race, race, the governor's race, Abrams is down 5 in the uh, 538, and again, I talk shit on Nate Silver all the time, but that's the one I looked at. Uh, 538 uh, polling, he's five up overall. The betting markets do not like Abrams at all right now. Right, and I don't think they like And I don't think they like Walker when we get, at all. When we get into this, I can talk a little bit about why Abrams is down, but why 538 still has her competitive. Well, she's down five, so it's not really competitive. Um, at this point, five, it's really hard to make up five points in, in, in six weeks. But it is a state where they seem to be splitting the vote. Yes. Kemp is terrible. But Kemp is not Abbott DeSantis terrible. He's not Mastriano. He's not Mastriano like, terrible. He's not uh, we, we Tudor a, Dixon terrible. He's not. We have a saying on the podcast, point, points given when points earned. Kemp did not deny the election results. Correct. Kemp wants to manipulate elections the old-fashioned way. He, yeah, doesn't he wants want to, to stop bl- black people from voting. He doesn't want black people to vote because they vote Democrat. But once they voted, he doesn't discount the votes. So do either of you think St- – I mean, I love Stacey Abrams. Do either of you think she has a chance in hell of winning this race? What I was alluding to before uh, was her poll – she's been down in pretty much every poll except for one that had her up one point like three months ago. Every poll pretty much has her down between five and seven points. Every every poll pretty much has the same thing. But the one thing, the one narrative that keeps going for why Abrams keeps getting kind of uh, lifted up is that they believe her turnout operation can make up those five points. They believe that the day of voters, the people that aren't getting calls, the people that don't have cell phones, the people that don't respond that don't have 10 minutes to take a phone call to take a phone poll that they think she will make up those five points on election day the problem is we've seen this before 
she ran before and she didn't do it before. Same, same, same race. No, she lost by like one and a half percent. Yeah, she right? clo- it was very she closed. She closed, closed hard. She closed. Right? She closed yeah. hard. But like, I saw Stacey Abrams speak at the AFSCME convention in Philadelphia. She's a remarkable uh, human being. Uh, she's a remarkable candidate. Um, I believe that she is where the Democratic Party should be. If they're not going to be at Bernie Sanders, we can at least be at Stacey Abrams. Um, you know, we always hear Democrats say we need to follow follow the lead of black women. Well, we have a black woman leading right now, and we should probably follow her and right. listen to what direction the party should go in. Um, but I think, I think on election night, polls close in Georgia at seven, not at eight. Uh, so my guess is at about eight o'clock, eight thirty, they'll call it for Kemp. No, by the way, Stacey Abrams, we give Trump shit because he never conceded. Stacey Abrams also has never conceded. I I just see 2018 all over again. Um, just uh, kind of sweating that race and seeing her kind of, you know, seeing it kind of being tighter than expected. And then just at the end, you know, not at the end, but as, you know, the gap will widen. Uh, I I don't give her much of a chance. I don't I don't really give her a chance. I hope. I mean, no, I, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an admirer of hers let, as well. Let's um, hope. Let's hope for a sun, let's hope for a sunny day in Georgia on election day. Let's hope that, but, but not too hot because if you bring people water, they, it's they, a, it's illegal. It's illegal. So yeah. Let's hope for like a nice seventy five degree day in Georgia. How warm is Georgia in November? Is it like seventies? Seventies. Yeah, I the 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 worst <laughs> the worst part about this race. Let's hope it's beautiful in Atlanta and. And just like pouring, driving hailstorms everywhere else. Yeah. But it, the Cobb County, we can get the take. worst part about this race is that if Stacey Abrams loses, she loses again. She's done. She's done, and she's probably out of Democratic politics. And she's an MSNBC pundit from here on out. Yeah, and that is yeah. a massive um, we, underserving of her skills and her talents. We've she, got we've got two of those. Beto can't afford to lose. She can't afford to lose. Those are the two. Yeah, uh, and, we're and not she's talk. more talented than Beto. And I don't think we're going to talk much about that. Uh, Beto's going down. Beto's going down. It's That's that race is over. That yeah. race is over. I think we would be talking about it if we thought he had a chance, and right. I don't think he has a chance. No. So, th- let's, so let's go to Arizona. Kari Lake and Katie Hobbs. Right. The closest race we're talking about. Cool. Of all of all the races we're talking about, this one is a legitimate toss-up. So this is well, the two, and, and I'm going to just really quickly pick uh, pivot to Evers after this in Wisconsin because that's another that's another election denier versus standing governor race. Um, Hobbs is currently up three percent according Mar- to yeah, margin of errors, right within within the margin of error. Well. The margin of error for 538 is, you know, 70%. Uh, because his his model always works. But Curry Lake, like every Trump person, has never spent a minute in government in her life. She was a, like uh, uh, Tudor Dixon in, in Michigan, was a right-wing media host. Actually, she wasn't even a right She was on the local news. And people said... People who worked with her said she's never acted like this. Like, she never was this person. She is now prima facie election denier. Prima facie, no exclusion on anything for abortion. Like, life of the mother, rape, 
It doesn't matter. Anti-immigrant. She's She's incredibly anti-immigrant. She's incredibly pro-gun. She is... She's... She's Ron DeSantis with a slightly smaller penis. And... um, (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. Oh, boy. boy. (laughs) Regardless, she can fucking win this thing because Arizona's the weirdest state in the union. Arizona is both blue and deep like it's purple because it's both actually blue and deep deep red in the same state yeah i i really wanted to talk about the arizona governor's race uh not necessarily because i think this race is interesting although it it very much is uh but more because arizona in itself is uh, an incredibly interesting state uh, for those of you who don't follow extremist ideologies as a hobby, um, I will let you know Q, the QAnon movement is kind of headquartered in Arizona right now. Uh, the last remnants of it um, are all very, very strong in Arizona. Q- QAnon flourishes in places where it's hard to stay hydrated. Yeah. Because Nevada, Idaho, Arizona, that whole belt it's QAnon central. And and also because because if you have water then you don't think that way. So there is no real downside to being far right in Arizona the same way there might be in say Pennsylvania or or Georgia where QAnon does not have the same kind of roots laid. Uh QAnon had almost exclusively uh their rallies in Arizona in 2020. Um to fire up QAnon was a big part of the storming in 2020 of the election polling places, which people forget. But in Arizona, they need to call the cops because the people tried to storm the polling place. Correct. In what may have been a preview of January 6th, uh, almost certainly was. And there is also a level of anti-Semitism in this race. Uh, that is not being seen in other parts. Carrie Lake, like, listen, George Soros is a Democratic donor. He does not have that much influence. He just has a lot of money. He's like the Koch brothers. Like, he's way lesser than the less, Koch brothers. Right. But in terms of, like, rich guys who throw their monies in elections, yeah, okay, he's, he's he, like that. He's the one Democrat. Like, like, yeah, he, he's like the, he's the have, one guy, right? There's a million Republicans that do it, but because Soros is a Jewish American, Marco Rubio can't keep his name, uh, can't and keep Soros's name Kari, out of his mouth. Kari Lake said that, uh, we're fighting a takeover from George Soros and Mike Bloomberg, uh, two Jewish men. These are not dog whistles. These are not tropes. These are legitimate anti-Semitic feelings. It's also such a, like, and it's incredibly anti-Semitic, also just dated, just very much just like... Dated. Just not, not yeah. original, not like... No, it's like Springsteen huh? playing Born to Run. Play uh, something new. Yeah. But it, it, no, it, it's... No, he's right. It, it's like Black Maternal Overdrive playing Taking Care of Business eight times <laughs> um, in a Simpsons episode. But, um, I mean, if Mike Bloomberg has shown anything over the last couple of years... Is that he's not influential in democratic politics? No, like, like he he's not he's hated by the unions. You cannot be influential in democratic politics if the large unions just hate your guts. And and she's a monster. 
She's just a monster. Like every time she opens her mouth, it's like, oh my god! And this is this is, by the way, uh, similar to Georgia, another state where we may see a lot of ballot splitting because Blake Masters in the last poll for the Senate, Masters was down sixteen points. Yes, and Kari Lake was down one. Well, because because well, she's she's now down three because Hobbs bounced back a little bit. Part of that, of course, is that Kelly is an astronaut. I mean, Kelly is an incumbent. The other part is he's an astronaut who grew two inches in his 50s because he was in space for a year. Uh, And the coolest thing, when you come back and none of your pants fit, that's so cool. But, um, no, I, I think this is a very interesting race because the presidential election could hinge on this. Yes, it can. In, 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 the in, much the, in much the same way. In, in the Pen- Secretary of State race. In much the same way Pennsylvania. In Wisconsin. In Wisconsin. With Evers. This and, is like, this is not an election to think about tomorrow. This is an election to think about 2024. Right. If Kari Lake wins, if Mastriano wins. If Evers loses. If Evers loses. It doesn't matter if the Democrat wins those states. They are sending Republican electors because peek behind the curtain of American politics, when we vote in November for the president, we don't actually vote but, for the president. We vote for electors. And, and just, just to be clear, Evers in Wisconsin is only a point and a half ahead, and it's a very close race. Um, Biden's approval ratings in Wisconsin are lower than they are in, in, in other states, uh, and that's what happened to Scott Walker. Scott Walker got beat because Trump dragged him down. So that's the question. Um, what I do think is that um, Michaels is, is uh, Evers' opponent in Wisconsin, and he is a big supporter of the 1849 law that was enacted after uh, Roe v. Wade went down. He said, uh, oh, the 1849 law is an exact mirror of my position, and my position is an exact mirror of the 1849 law. Think about that for a second. Like my th- my thinking has not evolved over the last 173 years, and, and what we're seeing, and we're going to talk about this in a second. In Connecticut is in a lot of these races, the the Republicans are getting pounded by women, just pounded. Um, yeah, and Do- Dobbs changed everything. Dobbs changed everything, and, and I'll. And we'll we'll transition to Connecticut now. The state that matters. Um, you know, I've I've done door knocking, and I've often. I mean, a couple of years ago, I did 150 something days of door knocking. I, I've done a lot of door knocking in, in Connecticut, um, in other states, but especially Connecticut for politicians. And um, I had never received a question about abortion ever on the doors for any candidate, and I get to ask that question. 10 times a, a, a day now. Like, you know, if I hit, if I, if I talk to 20 people, half of them ask me, what is the candidate's position on Roe v. Wade? And it's, you know, and I, I answer honestly, because that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to be like, I don't want to trick people into voting for my candidate. And, and I wouldn't be on the doors if they were anti, uh, if they were anti-abortion rights. And overwhelmingly, it's like, okay, if she if she supports reproductive rights, I'm for her. Uh, and, and it's just the kid I'm, I'm talking about, it's a woman. Uh, or him. Um, and I think that that, 
I don't think that that's unique to Connecticut. I think that's everywhere that the Republicans are going to lose, especially suburban women. That the, the the deep dark secret about Trump is he pissed away suburban women for the Republicans. Yeah, I think and that there's no coming back from that yeah, because I, they're not. You know, I mean, you look at these advantages in men; it's huge for Republicans. But the women, it's even larger. Yeah, I think about, you know, women like Laura's mom, my wife's mom, who was a Republican her whole life, was part of the Nixon re-election campaign when she was in high school. And then when Trump came, switched over to Democrat and is now voting only purely Democrat. She is not voting for any Republicans, does not even consider them, is just voting Democrat. And you see, like, suburban women tend to have higher education levels, higher income levels, all things that point to voting Republican. Except Republicans are insistent on fighting this culture war that nobody wants to fight and that 70% of the country disagrees with them about. Well, I mean, higher education levels tend to point Democrat. Higher, um, Higher income levels tend to point Republican. So, Andrew, I mean, Zach and I just do this stuff all the time. Have you been surprised by the 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 what I would describe as the heel turn Stefanowski has made in this race to become yeah. a Trump Republican? Before you answer that, we should do a little uh, background on the Connecticut race, which is uh, Ned Lamont, the current governor, is running against Bob Stefanowski. Bob Stefanowski ran uh, four years ago, lost by uh, under two percent, lost by one point five percent, which was the largest decision in in eight years the margin of victory for lamont was less than what the third party republican candidate got uh so theoretically stefanowski could have won if there was not a third party republican candidate those votes theoretically all go to stefanowski we have governor bob stefanowski but except the third party candidate endorsed lamont endorsed lamont (laughs) this year the oz grable party but the latest polls that have come out have Lamont up by 10, and then the most recent one by Quinnipiac, uh, which is a well-respected polling institution, had Lamont up by 17. This is unheard of in Connecticut politics. We do not have blowout Democratic governor races. The last time there was a blowout in Connecticut was when Jody Rell faced John DiStefano in 2006 and beat him by 20 points. Right. Which everybody could have predicted. Yeah, everyone knew that was coming. It's a bad strategy um, in, in a state like Connecticut. But on, on like a very primitive level, it's a strategy that I kind of understand. Like, okay, you, you, you know, you lost last go around and now you're going to rehash it again. Well, how are you going to how are you going to be different than like the last time? Well, you're, you're going to try to appeal to. And again, in a state like Connecticut, like how big is the Trump basing? Th- it, there is, it's it's not enough. It's not near enough Biden, to even make this competitive. Well, well, it, it, it's and that's not, why his polling numbers are so bad. Biden's I approval think. rating is Connecticut is exactly even. It's forty eight, forty eight, which which against the national polling, it's, it's I mean, pretty good. We yeah. like Biden more in Connecticut, but Trump's approval rating, I believe, was in the twenties. I think it was right. like twenty three percent. Now it's in in sixteen, sixteen. Trump won more towns in Connecticut by by a two to one majority than did Biden, but I mean did, that than, Hillary. Did, did, did Hillary, although Hillary won by like six points because Connecticut, if you win the cities, you win the state. But Stefanowski, for for those of you uh, who are not paying attention to Connecticut politics, 
he he split from his campaign manager campaign manager and basically the whole team um right before labor day this is not a good sign this this is like this is like firing your coach after the last preseason game in sports like in the NFL yeah. it's like o- elections functionally start on labor day right like there's and, a lot of work that gets done but nobody pays attention right. until labor day but all of the groundwork's done and what Stefanoski has done is now leaned all into the culture wars, which, as Zach pointed out, in Connecticut are incredibly unpopular. Um, I, I the, think the culture bo- war issues are you can win, you can win cities that have no people in them. Like you could win, like there's 169 cities in Connecticut. Most of them have fewer than 30,000 people. You could win all of those. And still get curb stomped because it doesn't matter. And Stefanowski like is sending out this poll about uh, uh, critical race theory and teaching and and, and rule, trans athletes, trans athletes, and stuff that simply has no resonance in Connecticut. It just seems like. But then again, Lamont is the most popular Democrat incumbent in the country. Which is wild. Over, Which is wild. Over Gavin Newsom in California. It's wild. Like, <laughs> like Lamont has done a lot of things I disagree with. He's done a lot of things I agree with. Some of the things I disagree with are due to my job and just inside baseball and seeing, okay, will you privatize this one portion of this one program that you did, therefore I disagree with you, versus the entire program, which I agree with. But Andrew, from somebody who is not doesn't work in politics, doesn't knock doors, doesn't get out there, follow politics as closely as my dad and I do, obviously as closely as I do, um, since I work in it, it's what I do. What have you thought of Stefanowski's ads? Have you seen them? Oh, yeah, for sure. What, what have you thought? Because um, he, 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 like, all year. They, the, this is a race between two multimillionaires. Yeah. And Stefanowski is doing, I'm middle class Bob. Yeah, and it's very transparent. You see through it. Uh, the guy looks like the love child of Rex Ryan and Shooter McGavin. Um, it's very, <laughs> um, I just don't buy it. I don't buy it. And, I, and you know what? I'm, and I don't know, I don't know that Lamont. I don't, I'm, I, I don't know. Lamont's fine to me as a he's voter. Fine. He did. Um, he did well during COVID. Yeah. I mean, but I, I mean, Stefanowski. To, it's almost like he's. Yeah. I, I. I. There. There are. I don't think there's a. You know, a Democrat that I wouldn't vote for against this guy Stefanowski, from what I've heard and what I see, and he just. It, it, just looks totally full of shit. Right. The thing that's going to kill so many red flags. The thing that's going to kill Stefanowski is Stefanowski is going out. You know, as we've talked about abortion rights and all the governor's races. Stefanowski is going out there saying, I'm a pro-choice Republican or a pro-choice Republican. I believe in parental notification, which is a moderate viewpoint. It's not a conservative viewpoint. However, he did max out a donation to the Senate candidate, Leora Levy, who is against abortion in the cases of rape and incest. And and he also won't speak against the uh, uh, Lindsey Graham bill. Yes. So... He's in nowhere's land. But anyway, this is um the governor's races so are incredibly important. Before we before we finish up, predictions in each state. Georgia, 
Arizona, Pennsylvania, Connecticut. Who do you got? I'm going to add Wisconsin. I think it's Democrats across the board, except in Georgia. I think Kemp will beat Abrams. Andrew? Same, same. Um, and the closest, I mean, I think Arizona, as we talked about, is, is the I think the biggest coin flip in the mix. Um, I, I think yeah. I think Kari Lake wins Arizona. Um, do not underestimate the insanity of people who have to live in a desert. Um, I think... God, Mas- I hope you're wrong, because then, then, then Biden can't win. The then Biden can't win. But I think, well, no Democrat can win. I think Shapiro wins in Pennsylvania. Um, I think Kemp wins in Georgia. I think Kari Lake is going to win, like, by half a percent in Arizona. Um, I think Evers will hold on in Wisconsin. I think Biden will probably do a rally in Wisconsin. Hopefully, if he's fucking smart, he'll do a rally in Wisconsin to get out the vote in Columbus and Madison uh, and Green Bay and get out the vote in, like, the population centers. He'll go to Wisconsin and Milwaukee. I mean, Hillary never never went to— Wisconsin. Let's hope yeah, but Biden Bi- Bi- But Biden won the election. Hillary didn't. Yeah. So let's hope Biden goes. Let's hope Biden does something. He's got to do something uh, in Wisconsin. Uh, but I think in Connecticut, um, I think we all have to do a lot of work because it is still Connecticut. Uh, we all have to do a lot of work, but I think Ned Lamont uh, cruises to a five point win. So you put the over under at if you put the over under at. 5.5. Would you bet over or under? It's Connecticut. I bet the under. Andrew? Uh, five and a, I'd, I'd lean over. Yeah. Um, what was it the first time? What was it the first time? One and a half. One and a half. It was only one and a half. That's a lot. Uh, yeah. Maybe under if that's the. The last three, uh, the last three, Democra- party. The last three Democratic governors have not won by a total of 5%. Yeah, then, then, I'm, I'm, okay. I'm, I'm putting a lot of money on the over because the last three governors didn't run under Dobbs. So with that, we will say so long and we'll see you soon on the Bill Bradley Collective. As always, we thank you for joining us here. And if you like today's episode, smash that subscribe button. Leave us a review. Let's help grow the collective brand. We'll see you all next week on the Bill Bradley Collective.